Good evening, everyone. Welcome to church. <laughs> Welcome to this gathering together, to this time where we can meet, where we can fellowship with one another, where we can join and encourage and all that sort of stuff. As you can see, um, the title of my message is 52 Reasons We Should Gather Together. Now, don't panic. I have not got a 52-point sermon. Uh, <laughs> you want me to? I could. What I do have, however, I, well, the, how I came across this was um, uh, a fellow that I follow on Instagram who has like a, an online theological university one time posted this 52 reasons we should gather, like 52 biblical reasons. And so I went ahead and like screenshot 52 <laughs> posts just because I thought it was incredibly valuable to have reasons from the Bible. Why do we do this? Why do we, I guess, some people might say we're a quirky bunch of people or whatever, why do we gather together? Um, hopefully next year, every week, we're going to post one of these on either our Facebook page or um, something like that. But I have quite a few copies on paper. If anybody either isn't on Facebook or anything like that and just wants to have them as their own personal copy, you can come and see me afterwards and grab one of those. I've um, printed some of them out. But I've picked about 10 or 12, I think I've picked 12, that I thought were probably most significant to us. I mean, they're all significant. And some of them I put two or three together because I thought they just went together. And um, I just thought it would be good over the next year to have a reason. We don't, shouldn't need that, but it's good as, to have a reminder every week from God why he wants us to gather together, why he wants us to be in community with one another. <clears throat> because I've seen and heard over the years the, um, the frequent mantra of, you know what, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you know what, That's, you're 100% right. If you say that you're 100% right, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. <clears throat> but if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to develop your gifts as a Christian, if you want to be encouraged as a Christian, if you want to be mentored as a Christian, if you want to feel part of a family as a Christian, and on and on and on, I could keep going on for 52 more, you know, you would gather together with other Christians. So who loves a good campfire? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? You sit there and you watch as the embers are glowing or you, you put on another log, you know, put another log on the fire. Um, that was meant to be sort of funny, but not really. <laughs> Chris always tells me I should put a joke in my sermons, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, that just came to me then. Um, but you watch that fire, and there's all these glowing embers. This is this is an illustration that I'm pretty sure Chris has used in a message before. But there's all the glowing embers in the fire, and it, together it gives off such warmth. But when you take one of those, if you take one of those, um, either a log or one of the embers out, and you take it away from the other embers that are also growing, glowing. What happens to it? You know, it might stay warm for a while. It gradually becomes brittle and cold and it doesn't actually serve any purpose at all apart from being a bit of mess on the ground or something like that. But if even that same cold ember, um, cold piece of coal or wood or whatever, if you put it back in the fire, it will 
regain its warmth, it will start to glow again and it will start to be a part of that warm fire that is producing that, you know, the, um, the ambiance or whatever you want or the, you know, the warmth or the something to look at that, that we have um, at, at a campfire. But it's the same as a Christian. If you move out of that community, then it's so much harder to stay on fire for God. You know, I've seen families over the years that have treated going to church as an optional extra, where they would go if there wasn't anything better on, you know, just as long as there wasn't something better to do. I mean, it doesn't mean, of course, on sometimes there's things that you have to do or you're on holidays or you're doing something else. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the church, as a general rule, was an optional extra and their children, no surprise, are not walking with the Lord and they're doing their own thing on a Sunday or Saturday or whatever day they want to meet. So I've put together a few of these points. The first one, put your seatbelts you seat on, get ready for the ride, is the Bible says to physically gather. Okay, The Bible says to physically gather. And not only that, but to do it more, not less. In Hebrews 10, 25, covers both these reasons. I'm going to read verse 24 as well just because I feel like it puts a bit of context into it. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect the meeting together, our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, where it says together more, it's actually that, that's the NLT, but the NIV actually says, and all the more as you, we see his, the day approaching. So it's saying gather together, but it's like even more Gather together as much as you can. So these verses um, um, cover, cover another point which I haven't mentioned, which is that the corporate gathering is where I can provide spiritual support to other people. So we don't just come to get support, we come to give support. Point number two. The most significant God moment in the New Testament church history happened when the church was physically together in one place, okay? That was the Holy Spirit came down. That was the most significant moment. He didn't just decide that each person individually, he'd just plop on down in their own little space when they were. He waited till they were gathered together in one place until that special thing happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So the, as well as the New Testament, there's also the most significant moments in the Old Testament where when the people were gathered together. Um, in Exodus chapter 24, the covenant was confirmed. And in Chronicles chapter 7, there was the dedication of the temple. These incredible things happened when the people were gathered together. You know, there wasn't just one person standing there when the temple was dedicated, you know. And it wasn't just, you know, the covenant there. It's just one person reading it. Point number three. God shows up in unique power at physical gatherings. Matthew eighteen twenty. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. 
So God is, a pers- is personal and he likes specific places. I'll get this together. Hang on a second. Maybe the iPad's a good idea, Graeme. I might try that. <laughs> We've been designed to be God's house, his church. He likes specific places. And he does come in unique power at physical gatherings because where two or three are... I mean, he's, that's not to say that he doesn't have unique power on you when you are at home praying by yourself or, or anything like that. But there is something special about the coming together and the gathering together and the power and the support with other people. Point number four, in the New Testament, a Christian actually doesn't exist outside the church. I'd never actually thought about this before, but when it's talking about Christians in the New Testament, it's always in the context of the church always in the context of the gathering of people together. The New Testament church is always referred to as the universal, invisible or visible body of believers, past, present or future. And it's also a local gathering of believers with elders. And it says, so yeah, a believer just doesn't exist outside of the gathering in the Bible at any time. Again, don't take me out of context here. Don't say, oh, if I'm not a church, then I'm not a Christian. That is not what it's saying. There are, every day we, you know, go about our daily walks and we are still that person who is a Christian and a believer. But it's talking about, when it's talking about Christians in the New Testament particularly, it's in the context always of the body of Christ. Ephesians 3.21 To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's just an example of that, um, that point. Point number five. God adds to the church those he is saving. Okay? He adds to the church those he is saving. He doesn't add to someone's... I mean. He, yes, adds to someone's room in a house so that he's been saved, but it's very specifically talking about he adds to the church. Saved people are caught up in the gathered life of the church. Acts 2, 46 and 47. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day... The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. He added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Point number six, it's where we get and use our gifts. The Holy Spirit manifests unique church building gifts in the gathered context. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarise. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So why are you given a gift? You know, 
we have gifts and talents. Not so I can go home and encourage myself with my own gifts and talents, you know. <laughs> um, but we're given them for a purpose. It's for others, you know. The, I mean, I'm looking at Craig and Janine, the gift, the compassionate heart gift that they have is so that they can go out and give that to especially the children in Uganda, you know. They've been given, God has given them a special gift, that compassionate heart, amongst lots of other things, you know. I mean, Jess, the gift of, of, of singing and worship is because she could sing and get really encouraged at home by herself, but when she comes here, her gift encourages the whole church, you know. It's just, it's one of those, that, that's, that's why we're given. So Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And another verse for that one in 1 Corinthians 14, 12. And the same is true for you. Since you are eager to have the special abilities that the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. You know, we're given it the gifts for that reason. God wants us to gather together to use our gifts to encourage and strengthen one another. Point number seven, Jesus is actively building his church. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You know, will not conquer it. We just sang that and the church of Christ was born, you know. So Jesus is actively building his church, which is his body, which is his bride. And one of the best bits, which I've just read before, um, which is another point in the points, in the 52 points, um, is that we gather together as Christ's body, the church. And when we do that, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, that's one of the best bits out of that. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And then Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. This sounds a bit strange saying husbands and wives, but for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Okay, that's the, the context of that, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for the church. Of course, he gave up his life for each one of us as individuals, but, he, but here he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to prevent, present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Point number eight. The gathered church is how I 
you both receive and honour God's leading. Okay? This is where we receive God's leading and we also honour God's leading, you know. 1 Thessalonians 5:12 and 13a. Dear brothers and sisters, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. So receive from Graham and Amanda and the other leaders in the church and also honour them. It's just something that we are to do as Christians. A reason to come to church is to receive from the leaders that God has given us. Point number nine. Our individual ministries can be both confirmed and affirmed in the gathering. You might think, well, what's my purpose? What's this? I mean, sometimes God will come and will, will tell you um, it, separately, individually, what that is. But more often than not, it will, that what you feel God is calling you to will be affirmed amongst the gathering and it will be confirmed in the gathering. Acts 13.2 one day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So that's an example in the Bible of that particular point, which is that you know, your calling can be confirmed. When you hear, you might think, I really feel like going to the mission field. <laughs> I'm sure Craig and Janine would say, I'll have a job for you <laughs> when you get there. But I really feel like God's leading me to, you know, be part of the worship team. Well, then that can be affirmed or, and confirmed or it can be denied by, you know, the people who are the leaders in the church and that sort of thing. Point number 10. The corporate gathering is where God plants me for long and sustained spiritual growth and fruitfulness. Did you get that? The corporate gathering is where God plants me for long and sustained spiritual growth and fruitfulness. You know, not, let's just have a little flash in the pan here and a little flash in the pan there. When you are planted in a church and you put your roots down, you will grow into a very fruitful tree. You know, Psalm 92, 12 and 13. For the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. Where are they transplanted? They're transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. We're not transplanted just somewhere way over there. We're transplanted to the house of God. Point number 11. In the corporate gathering, we love this one, children are able to come to Jesus. <laughs> you know. We really love in this church that children are able to come to Jesus. You know, that's 
something, I mean, if we didn't have this place, I mean, how many of the children that Graham and Amanda have blessed over the years have been because they've come to a gathering together of people of God? And when I'm talking about church, when I'm talking about the gathering together, it doesn't have to be like, I mean, yes, obviously the, the physical church here, but we can gather together each week in people's homes. We can gather together. These things happen, the encouragement, the, the growing, the spiritual gifts, the, all of those things when we gather together and are planted. Matthew 19, 14. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And how many times have we seen that in this church? I'm excited to see the video after this because that's going to show us some of those things as well. And point number 12, the gathered praying church facilitates supernatural angelic breakthrough, miracles and open doors. You know, the gathered praying church facilitates supernatural angelic breakthrough miracles and open doors acts 2 5 to 17 i haven't got the whole thing there because it was a long one but that's peter's miraculous escape from prison where the doors just opened and that the reason that happened was because his church his people were praying and it happened when they were while they were praying he got miraculously let out of prison i mean you can go and have a look at that and also Matthew 16:19 And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven Like when we gather together there's strength and power in the gathering I've just touched on a few of the the points and don't forget that if you if you want I have all 52 on some on some handouts for a few of you if you want and hopefully next year we'll be able to put one of them each there's lots more that's just the tip of the iceberg and I just want to show you one last slide I think that was a very sobering thing that somebody posted up for uh, on their Facebook page or something this week. Um, Jess sent that to me because it was one of our mutual friends and I thought, my goodness me, that is uh, a very sobering thought and I've seen that far too often. But we're going to have a look at the, um, the little video clip, that, or the, the long video clip <laughs> that Amanda put together. But so many exciting things that we've done this year that just confirm and affirm the things about when we gather together as a church, what can happen, what blessings God can bring down on us. So thank you.